First time, long time. 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 Hey there, sports fans. First time, long time. I'm Tommy Fitzgerald. He's Richie Barone. Richie, how are you? Doing pretty good. Just got back from the uh, old Met Yankee game there at City Field. Hell of a game. Mets win 7-1. Uh, good feeling in the building. Jay Bruce debut. Uh, I feel like he's this year's Cespedes. I'm just saying. I'm going to put it out there right now into the universe. This guy is uh, 0 for 0-4, but uh, I think he's still good. High expectations there, kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm setting the ball real high. That's the only place to set it. Yeah, I tell you, I was at the game last night, and uh, a lot of guys named Vinny and Enzo and Princessa walking around wearing Yankee shirts. Not a knock on your fellow Italians, but these Yankee fans, they love to clap as loud as possible. They're doing the stand-up and, and clap really loud thing, and, you know, do, do less. Do less, Yankee fans. Yeah, it's a little jarring. I saw a couple guys in there named, uh, you know, Vinny... And, uh, you know, Mikey, and they all had the sunglasses on at night. It was like, you know, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm one of those old school off the boat Italians. You know what I mean? I'm wearing a wife beater on the lawn. I'm, I'm watering, uh, you know, I'm picking tomatoes out of the garden. I'm not fist pumping and wearing a bunch of Ray-Bans after 7 o'clock. That, that makes you look like a, a real jabron. So, uh, you know, <laughs> shout out to old school Italians and, uh, you know, to the, ones, to the ones who think they're tough because they go watch a baseball game in the Bronx. Uh, get your act together, you know. Maybe, uh, you know, go read a book. Honor, honor the, uh, the life of Christopher Columbus, who would smack you in the mouth if he was here today to see this garbage. Not just the Italians, it's the uh, the millennials in general. Oh, disgusting! Don't even get. That's my other podcast called "I Hate Millennials." Uh, I don't want to get into that, but you know, check it out. Um, it's a good one. I like it. An organic plug, organic plug for the other other podcast. But as we get into it, we're going to go through our upcoming schedule for the week as we do normally, and starting tomorrow, Stephen Metz, TBD for the Yankees. The Yankees trade away half their bullpen. Got a bunch of prospects in return, so we don't we don't even know who's throwing. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a lucky fan from the crowd. They're just gonna they're gonna do a raffle over there. Maybe that bald Vinny jerk's going to do a raffle, and one of those bleacher creatures they'll just dump them over the wall like a sack of flour, and uh, you know <laughs> they'll have one of the outfield. Maybe Brett Gardner will pick him up, dust him off, and uh, he'll run in and, and throw some throw uh, a couple innings there. But I feel pretty confident about that. You know, I mean, aside from the fact that the Mets usually don't hit pitches they don't know, uh, I don't know if the Yankees have a pitcher for tomorrow. So, uh, you know, it's either lucky fan of the game, Aaron Hicks, because he he's got a cannon. I saw that on, uh, you know, uh, the MLB Network. They were telling me all about Aaron Hicks's cannon a few years ago. Um, or months, rather. Not years. Uh, and that's it. So Stevie Matt's a pretty good matchup. I mean, they're playing in that band box. The wall out there is like, you know, it's, it's like 115 feet down the line. So it could get a little dicey if he gives up fly balls. But I'm liking the matchup. Stevie, he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder, a little pissed off. Uh, Terry Collins said he had a good outing last time. And Stevie was like, oh, good outing. Uh, Terry, hello. Wake up. It's Major League Baseball. Unless you win, it's not a good outing. Love the attitude from the kid from Long Island, and uh, I think he's going to come out there firing on all cylinders. Long Island born and bred, and like you mentioned, in the month of July, though, he had a 3.19 earned run average and went 1-4. The Mets scored a total of nine runs 
in five games, nine runs for the kid Mats. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, his only win is when he shut out the Marlins, and the Mets did him a huge favor in scoring three runs. Got to get the kids some more run support. Yeah, I mean, they scored seven tonight. A uh, little fun fact, since the Mets have traded for Jay Bruce, they haven't scored less than five runs in a game. Uh, I'm just going to toss that out there, just like I tossed it out there that he's this year's Cespedes. I think there's some juju in this kid Bruce. I know he wasn't in the building yesterday, but just the mere fact that Sandy mortgaged our entire future to get this guy, uh, I think it got everyone pumped up, got the adrenaline flowing, uh, you know, got got everyone all riled up. I'm sure they were playing the Bon Jovi at at a really loud decibel in the clubhouse. And, uh, you know, I think we're about to score runs in bunches. The first half is never our half. Yeah, and this guy's coming from Cincinnati where they probably have, like, two restaurants that you can go to. The guy comes to New York, he's going to be like, this is great, I'm not eating the Skyline Chili. I'm not hearing about Carson Palmer. Is he even on the Bengals? I don't even know. I don't know. Is it is it Carson or is it uh, is Boomer Esiason still out there? I don't I don't even know who's playing there. I do know for a fact though that Skyline Chili. I mean, I would rather get hit by uh, a bus than have to eat a bunch of spaghetti and chili mixed into a bowl. I mean, that is just a, a disgusting idea. Uh, typical Cincinnati, bunch of landlocked weirdos. Uh, they should get rid of that entire state. Cincinnati, just an awful state, awful place. And uh, I'm happy for Jay Bruce that he's here now. I mean, God bless. Welcome. And we'll hope that Jay Bruce can get it going for the Metropolitans. And Thursday, we got Bartolo Colon against Nate Avaldi. And this Avaldi guy, I mean, he's got the physical tools, but he just hasn't put it together. Yeah, I mean, you know, Evaldi's like one of those kids. Uh, he's like the coach's son in Little League. He's got gas and no control. They just leave him out there for the entire game because if they take him out, he's going to throw a fit and start crying, and uh, he's going to ruin the pizza and ice cream social after the game. Uh, that, in a nutshell, is this Nathan Evaldi guy. I saw him pitch for a while. Kid throws hard, but he throws real straight. Uh, he can learn a thing or two from Bartolo, who's got one pitch, throws it about 15 different ways, and, uh, you know, when, he, when he's in the mood, has a hoagie in between innings in the, uh, the old clubhouse there. So, you know, uh, Nathan Eovaldi, uh, you know, he, he's a polished-up turd, real scrub when it comes down to it. Bartolo went on short rest like a warrior, didn't exactly work out. I'm um, hoping for a bounce back, although Yankee Stadium, like I said, it's a bit of a bandbox, so the fly balls make me nervous. But, you know, we'll do our best. Yeah, Bartolo's got no problem. I mean, he's been, first of all, he was in the American League forever. He's probably pitched at Yankee Stadium, like, conservatively, like 125 games. Is that? I mean, he was a Yankee, so for sure. I, I forgot about that. He's been in the league so long. You know, you forget what team the guy was even on. I think he played with Reggie Jackson in the 70s. He was uh, he was a Yankee back then. No, I, I'm joking. That's a joke. If you, you know, don't don't look it up and, and give me a hard time on the Twitter. He wasn't with on the Reggie Jackson team, but... He did play for the Yankees. He had some success there. Um, you know, uh, well, we do these. We do this every week where we talk about the upcoming matchups. And frankly, I never feel confident betting against Bartolo Colon. I'm just going to put it out there. You can put him against Jose Fernandez, Felix Hernandez, anybody with a Fernandez Hernandez last name. Uh, you know that Clayton Kershaw. Uh, may he rest in peace. And I will never ever pick against Bartolo Colon. So. Yeah, Danny, Danny Tottable not walking through that door. Not walking through that door. I didn't see Mike Gallego hitting eighth in this lineup. No way. No way, kid. And heading to Friday once we get away from these damn Yankees. That was a 
a Broadway joke for all you, uh, all you, lit, all you, uh, all you, you rich people that can afford Broadway. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been to a play since Cats in 1988, and that was because of the free tickets. I'm not, not gonna lie to you, kid. But we, we go to play the Tigers on Friday, and we got Sydney God versus Verlander, and just right off the bat, you know, the Tigers play in a city of Detroit, not known for its cosmopolitan. Ways. I don't think you'd park your car after sunset in, in Detroit if someone gave you $100 on a dare, and yet they have a payroll of $168 million. What a life. Imagine having an owner like Mike Illich who spent money like this. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They're going to be sitting there in Detroit uh, playing in a beautiful stadium against a team that's well-paid, and then at night, I'm pretty sure that, that you know they all have to uh, get in sleeping bags and sleep on a, uh, a coach bus together. You know, I don't even know if they have hotels in Detroit. It's a it's a truly disgusting place. I mean, have you ever seen Eight Mile? Didn't look really nice. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of garbage all over the place. Just people rapping against each other, not doing jobs. Uh, you know, felt like a feels like a, a place I wouldn't want to live. And this first game, uh, you know, thankfully when you're inside the stadium, the first game should be a beauty. We're gonna get Syndergaard versus uh, Verlander, and in my opinion, the winner should get a date with that Kate Upton. Because boy, oh boy, is she a tall glass of water, let me tell you. I know Verlander is supposedly engaged to her, but, uh, you know, Syndergaard's a, uh, a great-looking guy. And, uh, you know, that's just uh, how I feel. Maybe maybe he can get a shot. Yeah, getting Wally pipped in life. Talk about that. And one thing the Mets broadcast has mentioned about our boy Noah is that the other team is hitting a lot of foul balls. He's not putting guys away. It's driving up his pitch count. And this is something we saw last year with Matt Harvey, that these guys originally come in and they get 0-2, 1-2. They're putting guys away and instead not doing it anymore. It seems like these Mets pitchers occasionally are like yourself at the bar. You're getting the digits, but you can't close. Yeah, these guys are the ones that they, they talk till 4 in the morning and then they get the old handshake before uh, you part ways in the parking lot. You know, they don't even get a hug. It's uh, it's real, it's real upsetting, real frustrating. And I know what the Mets are going through right now because uh, it's pretty much a story of my life, the uh, inability to close there. But they got to get more strikeouts because you can't put the ball in play when we have, you know, uh, God bless Jay Bruce. But you know, we have we have like eighteen corner outfielders trying to play three outfield spots, and. Uh, you know, the defense is still not our, our forte, our strong suit, if you will. You know, Sandy's trying to get us to knock in some runs. So a strikeout here and there would be helpful, especially, you know, the Tigers have some guys who can uh, hit the baseball. So if Sindengard feels like getting off the schneid and K in 10 or 11, uh, that'd be a good game to do it. Yeah, offense, defense, not our strength. Pitching, pitching's pretty good. We're coming around the other though. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the pitching, uh, especially with the emergence of this Logan Verrett guy. I mean, I'm, I'm eating my words week by week. Every time we bash Logan for his stupid Laxboro name, he comes out there and uh, pitches, not a gem, but, you know, he pitches like Rick Reed. It's, like, super acceptable. Uh, you're not sad. You're not happy. You're just like, oh, good job. It was, uh, it was a Rick Reed start, you know. So, uh, yeah, pitching, pitching looks good. And I think we're going to get – I don't think we're done trading for pitches – I read this thing about the waiver deadline. Uh, it's like a second trade deadline for people who are late to the first one. Oh. And I, th- yeah, that's, I th- think it's new this year. But uh, I, from what I read, Adam Rubin, I can only read a little bit of it because it was at ESPN Insider, and I'm not paying $14.99 to read his opinions. But from what I could read on top, maybe the Mets will get a guy like that Jim Johnson who used to, uh, who used to play for the Orioles. 
I wouldn't be mad, kid. I wouldn't be mad. I think the Mets got a couple more moves in them myself. And it's funny that you mentioned Logan Verrett as he's pitching Saturday against some some jabroni named Boyd. I've never, hopefully not Boyd Crowder. That's a justified reference for all you FX fans out there. But anyway, uh, Logan Verrett, like you said, modern day Rick Reed S. The guy just plugs away. I'm telling you that Logan should sell t-shirts with the slogan, a fair wage for an honest day's work. Not everybody is 6'6", six, six with all the tools in the world. Some guy's a grinders. Logan Verrett's a grinder. If I ever met him, I'd buy him an ice cold brew. And I'm, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I think we'd become best friends. Yeah, Logan Verrett's like odd Donald Trump. I mean, he just he was sitting there as a little kid looking across the water at Manhattan and just said, you know what, I want to conquer this. And uh, this is Logan Verrett. He sat there and he, he, he looked at, across the locker room at all these pitchers and he was like, I want to be like one of them. And then, you know, I mean, he didn't, he didn't like uh, – he didn't do all the cool business deals like Donald Trump did, uh, our next president of the United States. God bless him. But uh, he did, in fact, work his tail off and has become a bit of a respectable pitcher. I mean, we got John Neese back, and they stuck him in the pen. They didn't even give him Verrett's spot. And if this was like a year ago, I'm pretty sure uh, the boy Neese uh, is going right back into the rotation. So, you know, a nice vote of confidence for Logan there. I'd still prefer it if he changed his first name and went to court. It takes like a couple hours, I think. Not a big deal. I wish he would do that. But, you know, I'll put it to the side, and uh, hopefully he can he can take down Boyd. The only Boyd I know, if we're talking about Boyd's, is oil can Boyd. And uh, I, I don't want to make assumptions, but he may be dead right now. So I don't know who this Boyd is. Uh, I know no other Boyd's. But uh, like I've said in previous episodes, if I don't know who you are, I just assume you're terrible. So I'm pretty sure uh, Logan Verrett has got this one covered. Yeah, oil can Boyd, big fan of the old granddad, straight out of the fifth. Not oh, yeah. not even not even pawn it, just just palm to bottle. You you bet you, you bet your uh, your ball sack there. Uh, uh, let me say allegedly. I don't want to get I don't want to get sued here. So uh, <laughs> allegedly, our friend oil can Boyd. As we finish up on Sunday, Jacob Degrom against Mike Pelfrey, and for all you Met fans out there, a chance to ironically dig out those. Go Big Pelf shirts. It was only April 2010 when Pelf came out and went 4-0 and gave up two runs in 26 innings in the month of April. But like my friend Red in Shawshank Redemption once said, some birds aren't meant to be caged. And Mike Pelfrey wasn't your average bird. Yeah, Mike Pelfrey, uh, if he was a bird, I don't even know. He'd be he'd be maybe a one-winged seagull. Like a big uh, ostrich. Uh, yeah, big ostrich with like a with like an arrow through its head or something, you know, like just a just a real dope. Uh, you know, I think the keys to the game here, hilarious by the way, that Jason Degrom is facing Pelfrey. This one should be a blowout, not even close. Maybe uh, Victor Martinez gets a hit because you can't really shut that guy down. But uh, Jason Degrom versus Pelfrey, the keys to the game. I would, you know, we're playing a little dirty here, but we're trying to get a wild card spot. I would take a little eyedropper. And I'd get some of that Zika virus and just just rub it all rub it all over the ball because we know that Pelfrey, after he touches the ball, he licks his hands like a cat cleaning its body, and uh, you know maybe you know I'm not I'm not wishing any ill will on anybody you know God bless, um, but if we could knock him out of the game early, uh, you know or, or have him pitch with a little touch of Zika and just smack him around the yard, not the worst thing in the world you know we're trying to win a World Series here I'm just I'm just trying to do what we can. To uh, to help this team win games, 
Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not saying that it should happen, but if it were to happen, it it would be something that happened. If it were, if listen, yeah, if he got a little bit of Zika sprayed on the ball, and he happened to lick his his hand like a cat, and he got the Zika, I didn't do this. I didn't wish this. But I realized that if you have Zika on something and you lick it, you're probably going to get it, and I can't control that. So best of luck. But that you know, just it's coincidence. It's fate. That's how that's how these things work. Yeah. No offense, Mike Pelf, but better you than our friend Michael Phelps down there in Rio. Stay safe. Stay safe, Michael, American hero, Michael Phelps. Uh, anyway, our bar sponsor for the week, and Richie, you know, last week we had the Whistling Admiral. I went there this past weekend, and some of the guys there started quizzing me on nautical terminology. They they obviously picked me out. I, I felt like I was being bullied by a bunch of preppy folks that play villains in ski movies in the 1980s. I mean, I went there for the delicious Moscow Mules, not to discuss the America's Cup, where a bunch of guys apparently sail around the world. So, no fault of my own. I simply decided to leave and not hobnob with a bunch of these white-collar jabronis. So I know I told you this ahead of time. I was pretty upset about it. I gave you a call. I may or may not have cried a little bit. We won't talk about it. But you told me that we have a new sponsor. Who do we got this week? Yeah, I mean, when you got on the phone with me, the first thing I did, I hung up the phone. I uh, I grabbed the collar of my shirt, and I looked down at it. It's still blue, okay? So we got to get out of there. We can't be at a stupid ball like that. Uh, what I did is I looked around and I, I tried to find a place we hadn't been to yet. I found Ramstein's German Beer Hall on Route 110 in Farmingdale. Uh, great spot. It turns out, if anybody remembers from the 90s, there was this band called Ramstein. So uh, they fell out of favor in America as a, as a band, but they opened a great bar in Farmingdale. Uh, you know, so they play that song Du Hast live. Everybody's dressed up in leather, just like whipping each other and stuff. It's it's a really weird spot, but huge TVs, great beer specials. It's one of those ones where you drink it out of a big stein. So two beers is like the equivalent of drinking 10, but when you get home and you talk to your wife, you just drank two. There were two mugs. You finished them. That's two beers. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's not, you know, it's not your typical bar. It's not, it's not a slam dunk for us, but if you can get around the, uh, the whips and the and the the German uh, metal music. I think we're gonna have a good time there watching some games. Uh, like I said, giant TV, pr- probably the size of the entire wall it was like a projector. So uh, that's Rammstein's German Beer Hall on Route 110 in Farmingdale. I can't wait. Sounds delicious. I I love the two beers when it's really like seven or eight. That's a great life hack. I'm gonna I'm gonna incorporate that one. Yeah, I mean, what, what can they say? You got two glasses of beer, you drank them. Oh, I, yeah, I conveniently forgot to mention that they were both 40 ounces each. Sure, but, you know, a glass is a glass. You know, stop stop breaking my balls. I love it. Shout out to Ramstein's German Beer Hall on Route 110. Looking forward to being there this weekend. Hopefully uh, things go well as we head to our storylines of the week. And, of course, as we alluded to earlier, that's a fancy word for mentioned. Jay Bruce, now on the team. Dilson Herrera, almost like we never knew you, came over in a trade three years ago. Now he's gone. What do you think? You know, Dilson was supposed to be a good player, and since we traded him, it's almost a guarantee that he will be a good player. Uh, I mean, I, I did a little bit of research, or rather my cousin Gene did, and uh, they got this guy, uh, Sacchini, 
down in the minor leagues. That's how you say it, for real. Not like a moron. Uh, and he's been hitting better than Dilson, so maybe they made the right trade. I mean, you know, I, I would have preferred that Nimmo go because all that smiling he does really flips me out. You know, the guy the guy could, uh, you know, find out terrible news. Uh, I, I don't even have an example because they're all disgusting in my head. But he could find out some terrible news. The guy's walking around with this toothy grin. I just want to, like, you know, slap his teeth out of his mouth. He looks like a little Baba Booey guy. But, uh, you know, he was supposed to be in a deal initially. Something happened. Dilson wound up being a part of the deal. I thought he was going to be our second baseman next year. Uh, very annoying that people are pointing to Daniel Murphy walking and saying that Sandy screwed this one up. No one could have predicted what Daniel Murphy's doing right now, hitting like Ted Williams. But uh, at the end of the day, we got a guy, Jay Bruce, leads the NL in RBIs on this crappy Reds team. So, you know, I'm a little excited about it. And uh, hopefully we find out that Dilson was overrated and that Jay Bruce is a savior that the Mets needed to make the playoffs and win the World Series. Yeah, could I agree? And the Mets acquired Dilson back in the day for John Buck and Marlon Byrd. One guy who looks like he could play guitar in Ramstein, another guy who got popped twice for taking the juice, which quite frankly is impressive. I'm not even mad. I mean, you get caught twice. That's amazing. Bruce indicated today he wasn't making excuses for the last two seasons before this year. He really rebounded this year, but he said in 2014, 2015, his knee was really bothering him. That's kind of like when I tell my wife I didn't mean to drink a fifth of blackberry brandy, but it's not my fault because someone left it on the counter. I mean, I love that excuse. Another great excuse, just like the beer glass excuse. And let me tell you something about Jay Bruce. I mean, like, people, I heard a little chit-chat today about, uh, oh, Jay Bruce, uh, he's going to be like he's gonna be like Jason Bay. It's like, you know, what? why? Because they both have names that start with the letter J? That's a ridiculous comparison. Not to mention, someone named Jay, J-A-Y, is much different than someone named Jason, okay? There's a big difference. Here's an example. Uh, with the exception of DeGrom, Jason is like a pussy name. You meet a bunch of Jasons, they usually, you know, get hurt and pick up basketball. Uh, you know, they're too tired to go out at night. Jason's just, you know, it's a garbage name. A J, on the other hand, with the exception of Bay, because there's an exception to every rule, it's a strong guy, uh, a guy who is funny, a guy who is smart, uh, like Jay Leno, our favorite comedian. So, you know, everybody should uh, lay off the, the Jason Bay, Jay Bruce comparisons. I think I saw the guy tonight. I was, I was at the stadium, and he's built like an ox. He's sitting out there, number 19, uh, just tossing the ball around. Went 0 for 4, but, you know, I, I think he's going to be a great fit. R.I.P. Jay Leno, of course. I agree. I agree with your boy Bruce. He is a, he's a big, handsome kid. So storyline number two, should the Mets re-sign Juan Uribe? And of course, Uribe was designated for assignment. And I tell you, Richie, I, I think this is the break we needed. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think of course they should. Uh, you know, if only for the tricks he could do with his hog. I mean, the, the, the tale is that the guy would walk around the clubhouse just like, uh, like Uncle Magic, that magician, just swinging his uh, wiener around. <laughs> and uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm giggling here like a schoolgirl, but it just it seems funny to me. You know, it's, it seems like a funny prank to do. You know, like you get into a little bit of a funk, losing streak. Oh, let's get old Juan out here. Oh, uh, can he hit a baseball? Not really, but look. He can flip a cheese it into his mouth with his ding dong. You know, like we don't have a guy on the team like that right now. And I think that, you know, for, for a very low price, we could bring back some of that personality, some of that flair. Uh, I'm a big I'm a big advocate for Juan Uribe. Yeah, I, I 
was looking doing some research and some folks are saying they, they can't do it because they have too many players on the active roster. I, I don't care. I mean, sure, the guy's apparently a real coxman. That's great. Always a, always a good fan of a good coxman, but having a guy that takes an unholy amount of tobacco and always seems to be smiling is, is just great for morale. You know, if you have, have that guy uh, in your life that loves tobacco and is always smiling, you know, they're, they're a little weird and they smell a little funny, but uh, at the end of the day, they're pretty A-OK in my book. So, Juan Uribe, shout out to you. As we head to our third storyline, should John Neese kick Neil Walker out of his apartment? And for those that don't know the story with this, these guys were basically swapped for each other uh, originally, and now Neese, of course, coming back. But as a result of that, John Neese was actually subletting his apartment to Neil Walker instead of finding someone to sell it to. Uh, Neil Walker... Nice guy, uh, obviously hasn't learned anything in life because he's renting when he makes millions of dollars. So, you know, instead of buying real estate in New York, I, I don't know, Neil, looks like that's a little short-sighted. What do you think about this? Yeah, I got to tell you, I mean, big mistake for Neil Walker. Uh, you know, I think Neil should have bought his own place. Like you said, it's a waste of money to rent. If he was smart, he would have he gone out one day with a real estate agent, uh, maybe Gene. He also does real estate, aside from social media. And, uh, you know, got in a place, you got a place in Suffolk, maybe around Copeg. I mean, yeah. Is it a three-hour drive roughly to City Field, maybe four or five hours in traffic? Yeah, it's pretty bad. But, uh, you know, renting is for losers. That's the first thing you should know. Even if you don't have enough money to put it down, there's, there's plenty of loans that'll, that'll get you a nice big house that you can't afford. And, uh, you know, that's what I did. And I don't even have a million dollars. So, Neil Walker, no excuses. Uh, I hope to see you at a uh, uh, a real estate office in Copeg in the near future, buying a home so that John Neese can get back into his. Uh, I think John Neese is living in a hotel right now, which is you know just really uh, poor form, um, you know breaking bro code. Everybody knows that uh, you know if if you're lending your house to somebody and they come back and want to live in their own house, you got to let them live there. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's it's almost like Neil Walker, uh, you know, is the owner of a Pokemon gym at uh, John Neese's house and just took over. He's like, this is my Pokemon gym. Uh, as you can tell, I got very into the Pokemon Go, and I've learned a lot about it. And, you know, this is the best comparison I can come up with. So Neil Walker basically owns a Pokemon gym. He's, he's squatting in John Neese's house. And John Neese is like, I pay for this. I own this. This is my house. Get out of here. And uh, Neil Walker refuses. So, you know, if things come to fisticuffs, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, some real uh, breakdown of the real estate law. Not too not too familiar too familiar to that kid, but I, I agree with you completely. If you live in a house, you deserve to actually, uh, actually live there. Uh, and our final storyline, no one really cares about the Subway series anymore. And I tell you, it's not the same at all. It used to be a real raucous scene. And, you know, once upon a time, whether we like to admit it or not, we were the little brothers to the Yankees. You had these smug, terrible human being Yankee fans. But, you know, every time the Mets beat them, it was always a real nice thing. It was always a real contentious scene uh, without being too overboard, for, except for a couple of cases. You get, obviously get a couple of guys uh, that like to hit the, hit the booze a little too hard and, and throw fisticuffs. But, you know, all in all, not the same. Yeah, I mean, I will respectfully agree to disagree. I mean, I agree that it's not the same, but uh, that's that's what they say at least. I feel different, 
everything's just a little more meaningful during these games. The beers are colder. I cheer louder. I make more severe threats when yelling at people to sit down who are in front of me. I'm not a big stander. Like if we get an RBI, I just sit in my seat still. Okay. I need you to sit down and be respectful. Uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, I wish the players cared as much as we do. I'm willing to die for the Mets during that series. And I almost did when I got choked out by a guy with a, uh, a Reggie Jackson towel. In 06, that was a real real wild scene. I was in the upper deck, part of a 13-game package that year, and uh, things got pretty out of hand. But I wish they would get out of hand more often. Um, you know, I, I see what you're saying a little bit. It seems to have died down a bit. But personally, I still have that fire burning inside of me. Uh, you know, and it, it, it may be uh, the residual effects of taking a whip at Ramstein's, but I think it's, it's my passion for the Mets-Yankee series, and I refuse to let that die. Yeah, unfortunately, not everybody cut the same cloth as you, Richie. You still got the intensity. Fire still burns bright for the Metropolitans. That's that's why you're a great Met fan. Great Met fan. Oh, boy. Uh, as we head to our awards segment of the week, quickly, award for the smartest idea that the Mets concession people have ever had for their premium cocktail stand. Why pay a 54 beer when you could pay $16 for a Moscow mule in a plastic mason jar? I'm being serious. Sure, it's a little steep, but have you ever had a Moscow Mule? It's delicious. It's refreshing. It's the best drink you'll ever have in your life. I can't imagine anything being better. If you find the right lady working at the Moscow Mule place, you give her a little tip ahead of time, she'll pour a little extra booze in there, too. All of a sudden, you have, uh, you're, you're feeling great off um, one mule than you would off two beers. Yeah, it's a great call. I got to totally agree with that. Um, I didn't have a Moscow Mule the other day, but what I did have is one of those Tito's and Lemonades. It was, oh, uh, yeah, I got real crazy with one of those. And uh, I really bought it just because I thought I was excited about the mason jar. Didn't know it was a plastic mason jar, so I was a little less excited. But, you know, uh, took it in the bathroom, washed it out in the sink, and brought it home. And uh, it's pretty much the only thing I drink out of now. So shout out to Mason Jar, shout out to Moscow Mule, shout out to Tito's and Lemonade, and shout out to City Field. Okay, that's four shout outs. And we, we will move on to the second award of the night. And it's the award for most predictable chant. And it goes to Met fans for how they welcomed Jay Bruce. Uh, so Jay Bruce, first game tonight, obviously Mets fans are pretty amped. How do you think they welcomed Jay Bruce as he took the field in the first inning? Take a guess. I imagine it was very articulate. It was. It was, it was basically, they, uh, he ran out there and they said, Bruce. Cause like, you know, Met fans love it when your name sounds like a boo. So it's like, no, we're not booing you. We're cheering you. But you don't know that because you're stupid. They treat players like they're dumb. So, like, you know, Jay Bruce, in their minds, they thought that he thought he was being booed when, indeed, he was just being bruised. So great job, Met fans. You guys are intellectual saviors of the universe. Uh, great job welcoming Jay Bruce. Yeah, Eric Campbell still telling, him, telling himself to this day that they were never booing him and simply saying soup. Not going to end your dream, uh, Eric Campbell. Shout out to Eric Campbell. Terry Collins' favorite player. Uh, third award, the Wait Are You Good Award, going to Matt Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, this this Matt Reynolds kid uh, shows up yesterday, fresh off the pine, smacks a three-run home run. Uh, pretty sure he drove in a run tonight. You know, he's playing some solid defense. I've heard about him for years, and I'm starting to wonder, hey, is this kid good? What do you think? He's been pretty solid. He hit the home run 
two two nights ago when I was at the game, and they always said that he could hit. But I guess the the numbers were always a little misleading in Vegas because they got some weird thing with altitude, so everybody hits. But he's always had good minor league numbers. Seems like he's much better than the likes of Eric Campbell and the Justin Ruggianos and those kind of guys that are kind of the fringe guys that they bring up and down. I mean, he he looks like he's got a chance. Yeah, I mean, he he really does look a, a, a whole lot different than the Eric Campbells and Ty Kellys and Justin Ruggianos of the world. By the way, uh, you know, rest in peace, Justin Ruggiano, shortest career of any Met of all time. Literally within 48 hours, he came up, ruined a game, and then snapped his leg open. Uh, that's like... That's like a Mets hat trick. You come up, you ruin a game, and you get hurt all in 48 hours. That's got to be a new record. But uh, anyway, uh, Matt Reynolds, he, he looks like he's cut from a different cloth. He's on a bit of another level. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to, to give the kids some reps. Let him play, right? Get him in there. Wait, we're looking at you, Matt Reynolds. Here's to you, kid. And finally, finishing up with our awards, as always, the Mark Craig Tweet of the Week. Mark, if you ever want to come on the show, we know you're listening, buddy. We know you're listening. We'd love to have you. Just a couple of Long Island guys. We know you appreciate Long Island. But anyway, he tweeted earlier tonight after Alejandro Diaza hit a two-run homer. Looking forward to next spring training when SNY is getting B-roll for the Alejandro Diaza biopic. And, of course, this is a reference to the show about the Mets turning around their season last year. It was called, like, Three Nights in July or I forget what they called it, but he's... Tears of a clown, tears and flushing. Tears, yeah. Yeah, you know, I had a lot about Flores crying and then them getting Cespedes. And, you know, we we were all there. We all took the ride. But, you know, he's alluding to that and being a little facetious because Alejandro Deaza has not been the cat's pajamas this year. But he looked pretty good. Looked pretty good tonight. Yeah, he hasn't been the cat's pajamas. He's definitely been, uh, you know, the, the uh, the cat's litter box poop. Uh, so to speak, but yeah, tonight tonight he looked pretty good. I was making a bunch of uh, Weisenheimer smart aleck jokes when he came to the plate. That he's batting two oh eight. He's got like an OBP of like two ninety one. But you know, um, maybe small sample size. He's been hitting the ball much better as of late. And uh, like you said, I hope Mark Carrig uh, changes his mind and decides to respond to us and come on the show because uh, we'd like to have him. I think the guy is a a comedic genius and uh, a real a real Mets know-it-all. So, Mark, once again, the invitation is out there. Uh, don't disrespect us. Please come on the show. Uh, and that brings us to our final segment of the night. It's called Good Job, Terry. And uh, give me one. You got any Good Job, Terrys? Yeah, Good Job, Terry. Way to play Justin Ruggiano at all. Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, that, that one speaks for itself. <laughs> Uh, I got to the game on Saturday, and uh, you know I'm I'm wiping away tears. Mikey P getting his number retired by the Mets, and uh, I look at the lineup, and Justin Ruggiano was a starting center fielder. I'm like, you know, I thought the days of having the Eric Valence and uh, Val Pascucci's of the world uh, I just show up and play. I thought that was over, but I apparently guess, not. I guess Colin Cowgill wasn't available. Yeah, no, Colin Cowgill couldn't uh, couldn't take off from Kmart uh, to get to the stadium in time. So uh, it was Justin Ruggiano night at City Field. Uh, as you may imagine, it went terribly. So uh, great job, Terry. Way to use Justin Ruggiano at all. Yeah, sorry, Justin Ruggiano. Not not for me. So good job, Terry. What do you got, Richie? Uh, good job, Terry. Making Cespedes bat tonight and run out of ground ball. Joel Madden 
would have uh, made one of his pitchers do it or given the at-bat to a lucky fan, and they would have gotten a hit, and they wouldn't have gotten injured. So good job, Terry. Maybe you should be more like Joel Madden, the guy with the glasses and all sorts of magicians in the clubhouse and, and fun stuff for his team because I don't think you'd do any of that. Um, and another good job, Terry, that I want to shout out is good job, Terry, not playing Ty Kelly tonight. I got nothing else there. I'm actually complimenting Terry. Seriously, thank you for not playing Ty Kelly. I hate him almost uh, as much as I hate you. So, <laughs> you know, uh, if Ty Kelly were in there tonight instead of, say, Matt Reynolds, I probably would have blown a gasket and thrown my uh, land shark that I paid $12 for right onto the field. So good job, Terry. Thank you very much. You got it, kid. And, of course, that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. And, Richie, tell these folks where they can find us on the social. As always, uh, you can find us on Facebook, First Time Long Time, Twitter, at First Time Long Time, uh, email account, uh, First Time Long Time Pod at gmail.com. Uh, you know, hit us up. It's getting a little lonely. And uh, that's it. Everybody enjoy the next two games in the Bronx. And we will be back at you on Friday with another Friday rankings. So uh, see you then. Yeah, hey, fellas, this is Chris from New Hyde Park. First time, long time. Hi, this is Bob from Greenpoint. First time, long time here. Hey, guys, this is Audie Bevilacqua from Hapog. First time, long time. <laughs>